Last week we talked about how God invites crippled people physically and spiritually to his table. And so today I'm going to continue with that line of thought, but, and I want to talk about how we not only have a, a seat at his table, because, you know, you can, I can invite you to my house for dinner, but that doesn't mean you're part of my family. But I want you to know when God invites you to his table, you are a part of his family. You are a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And so begin with, you know, kids, <laughs> kids can be funny. One eight-year-old boy said to the little girl he was talking to, he said, my dad is an engineer and he can do everything. And she goes, oh, really? The boy said, yeah, you know the Golden Gate Bridge? She goes, well, yeah. He says, my dad built that. Well, you know, kids, they don't like to be outdone. And so the little girl said, well, do you know the Dead Sea? The, guy, the little boy said, well, yeah. She goes, well, my dad killed it. <laughs> Top that, buddy. Kids are funny. Kids are funny, and they, they love their daddies. But you remember the old phrase, and they may still say it, I don't know, but remember the old phrase, who's your daddy? Do they still say that? No? Old school? Okay, now wait a minute, wait a minute. I got the youth pastor saying, no, they don't. I've got kids in the youth group saying, oh yeah, yeah, we say it. They don't say it around me. I got you, I got you. Well, you know, there's that old saying, who's your daddy? Well, I want you to know for the child of God, the Bible gives the answer to that. And it's in 1 John chapter 3, 2, which says, now we are the children of God. Now we are the children of God. Notice it's now. It's not later. It's not after we're glorified. It is right now. It's what that means is that it's not a matter of sweating and wondering and trying to learn if we're a child of God or trying to earn a place at God's table. It's the minute that his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are born again. And at that very second, we become a member of God's household with all of the benefits of being his child. Listen, when we're saved, our Heavenly Father loves us as his kids. And as a praise minister, he has a reckless kind of love for us because he is not an absentee dad. He's not a far-off kind of dad. He is closer than the air that we breathe. And when we recognize our position in Jesus Christ and what he did for us, then we can begin to live our life from a position of victory Instead of the position that so many people live their life in from a position of anxiety. See, when our Savior Jesus, when he became flesh and blood, when he came to this earth, everything he did, he did for you and for me. I mean, think about it. Jesus didn't come here for himself. He didn't come here because he didn't have anything better to do. Jesus came here because he wanted us to have what we couldn't do for ourselves. Jesus didn't need anything, but you and I, we needed everything. And so Jesus came to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. I mean, Jesus didn't need to be redeemed. 
Jesus didn't need to be healed. He had no financial needs or issues. So everything Jesus did on earth, he did so that if we will believe on him, we can gain the status that we could have never gained on our own or accomplished by our own merits. You may have to go turn this down a little bit more. See, because of Jesus who paid the price for our sin, we can have everything we need to live an overcoming life. You have to understand, Jesus didn't go to the cross to gain authority over Satan. Because in Luke chapter 10, 18, Jesus said, I saw lightning fall. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Just a flash in the pan and then it was gone. I mean, Jesus went to the cross so you and I could have authority over the devil. Jesus didn't go to the cross for his own healing. 1 Peter 2.24 says, by his stripes, you were healed. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, the Bible tells us, though he was rich, speaking of Jesus, yet for our sakes, for you and for me, he became poor that we, through his poverty, might become rich. Not for himself. He did all of that for us. Satan has always been subject to the authority of Jesus Christ. But when Jesus crushed Satan as a human being filled with the Holy Ghost, he did so so that we too could say, devil, you are defeated in the name of my elder brother, Jesus. Some would reason, well, Jesus had that authority because he was a son of God. Well, of course he was a son of God. But since he gave us a new birth, who do you think you are? Now are we the children of God. Now don't make any mistake. I'm not equating us to him in his deity. But I am equating us with him in his humanity, filled with the Holy Spirit, overcoming Satan on every front. See, it's because of Jesus that we can walk in victory. It's because of Calvary that we are the children of God. And so 1 John 4, 17 says, as he is, as Jesus is, so are we in this present world. Now, you know, it's great to sing somewhere over the rainbow and dream about whatever. It's comforting to think of the time when the difficulty of this life is going to be over and we'll be perfected floating around on a cloud playing a harp up in heaven. That's supposed to be funny. I mean, obviously you guys don't read your Bible, so you, you really think that's what we're going to do? No, we're not going to be floating around playing our harp. We're going to be praising the King of kings and the Lord of lords who redeemed us with his blood and whereby we are redeemed through the blood and the voice of our testimony. But it's great when, when that time will be perfected, but, but what about this life in here and now? I mean, now's the time we have to live with all the trials, the troubles, the in-laws, the kids, the imperfection of this sin-cursed world. But as Jesus is, so are we in this present world. See, Jesus came to redeem us, but he also came so that we could have his same power and authority that he had when he was on earth that we can have in this present world. 
And when Jesus ascended back to heaven, he gave us, as born-again believers in Christ, his power. He included us in his victory. And that's because Jesus said, the works that I do, you shall do also, and even greater things shall you do. I mean, what a promise. Jesus said, I'm leaving, but Satan's kingdom is in for a tough time because I'm leaving my authority and my power to my kids. You know, the devil thought that he had won when Jesus went to the cross. He figured the ultimate victory was finally his. But then three days later, Jesus rose again. And see, what Satan didn't realize was that when Jesus went away, he left behind his believers anointed with the same power that he had used when he was on this earth. And now, instead of the devil having just one person to deal with, Satan has millions of born-again, sanctified, Holy Ghost-filled believers that he has to deal with. The death of Jesus on the cross was not Satan's ultimate victory. It was his worst nightmare. But the only problem is, some of us haven't learned who our daddy is. But friend, I want you to know, when we can recognize who we are in Christ, Satan will have more than he can handle when we become more than conquerors through him. You know, Jesus is so identified with his body on earth, which is the church, that he counts us as one with him. In John chapter 17, he prayed that we might be one as he and his Father are one. And when we are one in the Spirit with Jesus, and the devil attacks you, friend, I want you to know, Jesus takes it personally. Your daddy will take up for you just like you'll take up for your kids when the schoolyard bully picks on them. When Saul of Tarsus was picking on the church in Acts chapter 9, Jesus confronted him on the Damascus road. And Jesus didn't say, Saul, why are you persecuting my church? Saul, why are you picking on my buddies? He said, no, in verse 4, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? When Saul was hauling Christians to prison and sending saints to their death, Jesus took it personally. And Jesus said, Saul, you are bullying me and you are messing with the wrong guy. Because Jesus takes the treatment of his kids personally. And so because of that, the devil will work overtime to keep us from understanding who our heavenly father really is and what we are allowed to have through him. See, because Satan knows that when we understand who we are in Christ, and it's going to be all over because then the enemy is not going to be able to control us any longer. We are one with Christ. So that means the victories he gained he gained for you and for me. And so that means that we need to start acting like who we are. You know, we think that it's humble to confess, oh, I'm nothing, a worm is taller than me. Well, a worm may be taller than Starla, but not the rest of us. A worm is taller than me, I don't know if I'm going to make it or not, and all this negative garbage that comes out of our mouth. But when we do that, all we're doing is setting ourselves up to be steamrolled by the devil. Of course, we don't both look at me, I'm wonderful, and I've got it all together. 
But what we need to do is hold our head high, put our shoulders back and say, devil, you mess with me. I'm going to tell my heavenly daddy on you because through him, I am the righteousness of God and he bought me with a price and he loves me. So you better leave me alone or he is going to put you where you belong under my feet. When Satan attacks, let him know who your dad is. Listen, Jesus made his faith and his love and his peace available to us. But the reason why we don't experience it is because we don't fully understand who we are. And that's because we are so alienated from what the Word of God has said about us. The Bible says we have not because we ask not. And so the devil will bother us because we don't command him to leave in the name of Jesus. We just sit there and take it. But if we'll use the faith of Jesus that's at our disposal, Satan has to leave. But here's the thing, friend. If we don't know who Jesus is in our life, then the devil is just going to hang around and hang around and make himself comfortable in our lazy boy recliner. And wives, I'm not talking about your husband. I'm talking about the real devil. Satan will take all of the territory that you will give him, and there is not a bashful bone in his body. If you talk weakness, if you talk failure, if you talk defeat, if you talk poverty, he will take advantage advantage of you every time because that's the kind of whining he listens for. We need to realize that we are children of God now, in the present. We're joint heirs with Christ now. We're in a covenant relationship with God now, and we will be victorious when we realize who we are, when we exercise our right as a joint heir with Christ. Listen, you know, if you're the type that you're just willing to sit there and roll over and be defeated, or or you may be fine to sit in your rocking chair and just wait on heaven later on down the line. Well, friend... That's okay, and you're going to get what you believe for. Now, I know that heaven is the goal, but you have to understand there's a lot of life that has to be lived while we're here down here on earth because it's down here on earth where our families need to be saved. It's down here on earth where we need to do battle with the devil. It's down here on earth where we have to do the will of God that he called for us to do. Of course, heaven's going to be unbelievable. But what I'm talking about is living in this present world filled with the Spirit of God, walking as a child of God, knowing who we are and being an overcomer in every phase of our Christian life. Because the fact is, church, you won't need to have victory over Satan when you're glorified. He's not going to be around. The place where we need to have victory over the devil is right here and right now. Now is the only time you're going to encounter him in a life and death struggle. And now is the time that we need to know that we know that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Do you know what keeps us from understanding who we are in Christ? The main thing I believe that keeps us from knowing who we are in Christ is just a short little word of four letters. Fear. Fear. F-E-A-R. I had to look at my notes to make sure I spelled it right. (laughs) F-A-E-R. 
Fear. Listen, fear will work against you at every opportunity. And when fear gets a foothold in your life through your thoughts, through your speech, or through your action, it will spread like a cancer. But I want you to know you can put a stop to it. When we understand who we are in Christ and what he did for us at Calvary, it will build our faith, and faith will drown out fear every time. What do you do with things that you don't want? You get rid of them, right? You throw them away. Well, one day, a father and daughter were talking about her upcoming wedding. And she said, Daddy, you know, I'm so excited about getting married, but, but I, it's going to be so hard leaving Mom. And the dad said, I understand, sweetheart. I really understand. So, so why don't you just take her with you? <laughs> I appreciate that laugh, man. I thought you guys were going to sleep. <laughs> we get rid of the things we don't want. So let's let faith get rid of our fear. Because you need to understand, friend, fear produces destructive elements in your life. Fear is what produces hate. Fearful of things we don't know. Fearful of people we don't know, people we don't understand. Fear produces hate, and it includes all of its ugly cousins, bitterness, vengeance, racism, and anger. Satan is the author of fear and all of the other destructive elements in your life. And so we need to be like the old man who was confronted by the devil one day. And Satan goes up to him and says, hey, do you know who I am? The old man said, yep, sure do. The devil said, aren't you scared? <coughs> no. Satan said, why not? The old man said, well, because God's my daddy. And he whipped your tail on the cross 2,000 years ago. And besides that, I've been married to your sister for 48 years, and so I know your ways. We need to get used to the ways of the devil because Satan will cause fear, and fear will affect your life. Fear produces worry. Now, I know science and medicine, they have to put a label on everything, and nobody has any problems. It's all a disease or something like that. But I want you to know, friend, worry, whatever, however you label it, is not from God. In its purest form, worry is a lack of faith in God. Because if you really believe that God is in control and he's going to bring you through, then there is no need for you to worry. But if you doubt and speak your doubt, the devil will be all over you like my dad used to say, quicker than a turkey on a June bug. Because fear is a force that has to be reckoned with if there's any way that you're going to live an overcoming life. Fear produces poverty. You turn on your TV, one pundit's talking about how great the economy is. You turn the channel, there's another pundit talking about how pitiful wages are and how bad people are doing and this and that. But the truth is, our supply as a tithe-paying child of God, it's not based on the economy of the United States. It's not based on the global economy of this world. It is based on one thing and one thing only, and that is God's riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That is the promise of God. The Bible says the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous, and God has a way of getting it to you if you won't let fear paralyze you and block its way. Fear is a force. 
And it's a force that will produce failure. I know, I know. You're just afraid you ain't going to make it. You just ain't going to make it. How many times have you heard someone say, well, you know, I was afraid that would happen, and guess what? It did. See, a person like that's admitting, admitting that fear controlled them. And when you're controlled by fear, you talk negatively. But I want you to know the child of God has the backing of his heavenly father. And Psalms 1 says that when we trust God, whatever we do will prosper. And prospering is a whole lot better than confessing. I was afraid of that. Fear produces sickness. Satan is the author of that too. It's part of the curse. Jesus said to the woman in Luke 13, whom Satan has bound for, 13, for 18 years with her infirmity. But what do we say? Oh my goodness. Well, dad had heart problems. Mama had cancer. Uncle Ernie had bunions and hemorrhoids. And, and, and you know, you know, you know the internet says that stuff is hereditary. Now, I'm not discounting medicine and what the medical profession can do for us. But don't discount the power of your heavenly father who went about healing all who were oppressed of the devil. When you are fearful, you worry and you stress and Satan wreaks havoc playing what if with your mind. So rebuke him in the name of Jesus for God has not given his kids the spirit of fear but of power and of faith in our heavenly father. He is our God who heals us. When you're sick, it doesn't mean that God's mad at you. God has a lot better way to teach you a lesson than to bless you with the flu or a coronary. Satan is the father of sickness, but it is your God in heaven who makes you well. And we need to realize that we are a child of God right now. Not tomorrow, not next week, not in eternity. If you are born again, you are, you are in a covenant relationship with God, and you are his child at this very second. Now are we the children of God. I mean, we've got to get it in our minds that Jesus didn't go to the cross to heal himself. He bore our sicknesses on the tree. He wasn't worried about the economy. He went fishing to pay his taxes. He wasn't concerned about tomorrow. He came to defeat the devil for you and for me, and we need to stop living in hypochondriatic fear and start having faith in the power and the love of our awesome God who is full, and gra full of grace and mercy for you. And for me. Now, the best way to realize who your Heavenly Father is is to have faith that He is, in fact, your Heavenly Father. And faith is not a product of education. Now, there ain't nothing wrong with education. Okay, folks, come on, help me out here, please. Please. 
Okay, let, let, let me explain it to you. You go to education, you learn, and we learn to use proper English. And what I said, here comes the punchline. Faith is not the product of education. Now, there ain't nothing wrong with education. I'm up here sweating, and you guys are out there snoring. I'll try to do better next week. Faith has nothing to do with education. Faith is a product of one thing, and that is the Word of God. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. It is not mind over matter. It's not the dialing the psychic hotline. It's reading the Word of God and believing what the Word of God says for you. For faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, by meditating on what God said in His pages. When Jesus was in the wilderness, he defeated the temptation of the devil every time by saying what? It is written. He spoke the word of God, and it was the antidote to everything the devil had. But you see, it's not just memorizing scriptures and repeating words. Because there is the logos word, and then there is the rhema word. Now, the Logos is the written word, while the rhema is the word that is alive in us. 2 Corinthians 3, 6 says, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. In other words, reading the Bible without faith will wear you out. If you want to have a miserable time, just take your mother-in-law shopping or Try to read the Bible without the anointing to understand it. Either one is going to be a tough sell. I mean, you can read the Bible from cover to cover, and it will be like eating sand unless it's illuminated by the Holy Spirit, and it becomes alive to you. And that's because 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, natural man, a natural man, cannot receive the things of God. I mean, you can memorize scriptures until you are blue in the face. But if you think just because you know a few words from the Bible, all of a sudden you're going to have some supernatural spiritual power, and then the devil's going to run away with his tail tucked between his legs, you're in for some rough water, friends. If all you're saying is a bunch of words and there's no faith behind those words, you might as well be quoting the Wall Street Journal. At least you might make some money from the deal. But I want you to know when the word that comes out of your mouth is the rhema word of God, when it's something that's alive in you, revealed to you by God, and you got a hold of it, and it has a hold of you, when that comes out of your mouth, something good is going to happen. Your situation is going to be taken care of, and the devil won't be able to get out of there fast enough. Now we are the children of God. And when we know the word, and that rhema is down in our heart. Every time Satan comes around, all we have to say is, get behind me, devil, because it is written, and then let him have it right between the eyes. You know what the devil hates worse than anything? It's when you speak the rhema word of God, because to that he has no 
rebuttal. And so really the truth is it doesn't matter what's in your wallet. What matters is what's in your heart. That's the key. And you know, this last point, I, uh, I really shouldn't have to say, but you know, I've seen some of you the way you drive and in rush hour traffic, and so I need to. <laughs> if we are children of God, you know what? We need to act like we are children of God. How about, how about this? How about trying to act like it when you go home today? All the women said, amen, brother. How about, how about acting like it on the job tomorrow? Kids, act like it when you go back to school next fall. Start acting like you are a child of God, not just in church where you sit piously with your hands folded and you look so angelic. I mean, even the devil acts good in church. Yeah. Ah, yeah. You didn't know that? Yeah, the devil comes to church. <laughs> you know, I don't know why I looked over there. I, I really don't. You know, just something, you know, I just, I just said that and, and, and gravity just kind of. Man, I'll tell you what, my jokes are really lame today or you guys are really asleep. You guys aren't paying attention at all. Or, you know, I'm just... Uh. But we need to act like a child of God all the time. We really do. And if you want to gauge how you're doing, just, you know, have your wife or your husband follow you around in rush hour traffic and then you'll have a, have a good idea. But listen, folks, when, when we disobey God, when we lack faith... That is when we leave the door open for fear to creep in. And fear will cripple us. The whole key is obedience to our Heavenly Father. It's like when the mother told her five-year-old son to put on clean underwear every day no matter what. Well, the kid was obedient, but by the end of the week he had on all seven pairs. <laughs> because she forgot to tell him to take the dirty ones off. Obedience produces faith. And all of its positive byproducts, while disobedience produces fear and all of its byproducts. Fear produces hate in the disobedient child, but faith produces love in the child of God. Fear produces worry in the disobedient child, but faith produces peace in the child of God. Fear produces poverty, but faith produces prosperity. Fear produces sickness, but faith produces healing. Fear produces failure, but faith produces success in the child of God. And so every day we need to get up and we need to say, now, today, right now, am I a child of God? And we need to accept the fact that he is our heavenly father and that he loves us and he has a customized plan and a purpose for our life that day. Friend, if we'll really believe it and we'll start acting like it, it will take such a load off our stress level. Life will become a joy to live. When you live it in Christ, through his faith, that he loves you and he is your father. And everything he came to earth to do, he did for you.
And I said earlier, you know, the Bible says we have not because we ask not. And I don't know about you, but my kids were never bashful about asking for anything. And so let's ask our God who loves us because we are his children. Let's ask him to heal our bodies. Let's ask him to supply our financial needs. Let's ask him to mend our families and to soothe our hurting hearts. Because he is the one who said, ask in my name and it will be done. But friend, you have to understand that being a child of God once a week on Sundays isn't going to cut it. You're not your earthly daddy's kid only one day a week. You know I can't go a whole sermon without stepping on some toes. You're not married to your spouse only one day a week. Okay, careful now. Don't let your mind run with that one. Keep it, keep it where it needs to be. But if we really are a child of God, then we need to be a child of God all the time. And if we will allow God to be our Heavenly Father all the time, it will absolutely change every aspect of our lives. Most of you are familiar with the story of Esther in the Old Testament. Let me summarize just one brief part of it. The king was going to choose a new queen. And so all the ladies of the kingdom were brought before the king. Well, when it was Esther's turn to go before the king, God gave her favor and the king chose her and set a royal crown on her head and she became the queen. But my point is this, for her to receive the promise, she had to go before the king. She had to make the effort to get before the king. Now, we who know Christ, we who are children of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, we are promised that by faith we can have whatever we ask. But we still have to come before the king. And so we need to stop acting like people who aren't worthy to be in the king's presence. Because if you are born again, he is not only your king, but he is your heavenly father. No matter where you came from, no matter what your circumstances are, Jesus died for you so that you could be changed from a child of the devil into a child of Almighty God. So today, whatever your life has become, maybe you're sick, maybe you're broke, maybe you're discouraged or you're lonely. Maybe you feel like a failure because, you know, for some reason you don't think God has answered your prayers. But listen to me. If we can just get a hold of the reality that God is our Heavenly Father, Jesus is our elder brother with whom we are joint heirs, that's when we can release our faith to receive what God has for us. I'm not talking about padding our bank accounts. I'm talking about living an overcoming life where we can defeat the devil and fulfill what God has called each and every one of us to accomplish. Bow your heads with me if you will. You know, I've learned that, that there are specific messages. When we hear the rhema word of God, and our hearts are, are suddenly transformed. But then, 
that I'm guilty of this also. There are times when we come to service, we sit, we hear, but, but we never really get anything out of it. And when it's over, we get up and go home. But you see, friend, the very sad part is the entire time we were here, the Lord was waiting, waiting and inviting us to crawl up in his lap and tell him what we needed. But because our mind was on other things, because we were thinking about what we were going to do this afternoon, because we were thinking about work tomorrow, we were never able to decompress the outside world and enter into his presence. The greatest thing that you could ever learn is that God wants to be your heavenly father. And he wants you to be a part of his family. God wants his relationship with you to be so unbelievable to where you'll say, I've never been the same since I made the decision to walk by faith in him according to God's word. Would you like to have that kind of transformation? Would you like to stop playing church and really come to terms with what it means to live as a child of God all the time? Well, maybe you're here today and, and you have sin in your life. And the Holy Spirit has been dealing with you and you realize that, that you need to be forgiven so you can become a child of God. Or maybe you're here and, and you're a follower of Jesus, but the Holy Spirit has shown you that there's so much more to life when you can live in an intimate day-to-day, minute-by-minute relationship with your Heavenly Father who loves you like no one else. So whatever state you're in today, wherever this message found you, and if you would like God to make the biggest difference in your life than he ever had before, would you raise your hand as an indication that you need God to do something special? Thank you. You need God to do something miraculous. You need God to do something big. 